March 2nd, 1955, a 15-year-old girl named Claudette Colvin was riding the city bus from school in downtown Montgomery, Alabama. She was seated two seats from the emergency exit in the bus's colored section. As the white section of the bus filled up, the bus driver demanded that Claudette and three others in her row get up and stand in the back of the bus so that white riders could have their seats. Now, Claudette was a member of the NAACP Youth Council. Just that day in school, she had written a paper on the local custom that prevented black people from trying on clothes in department stores. The custom was that, they, that folks had to trace parts of their body onto brown paper and allow shopkeepers to figure out what clothes would fit. Claudette understood her legal rights in this moment. She refused to give up her seat. The bus stopped, the police came, and she was arrested. 15-year-old girl. In the days and weeks that followed, Claudette's story ignited controversy all over Alabama. A group of leaders in the regional NAACP investigated the incident for the possibility of using it to ignite massive social change through concentrated civil disobedience. That group included a 25-year-old pastor who was new to his job at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery. He had arrived just months before. His young wife was pregnant, and he was still months away from receiving his doctorate in systematic theology from Boston University. The Reverend, soon to be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Reverend King and other leaders decided that Claudette was not the right choice for a figurehead of protests. She was young, and by the time her case came to trial, she was an unwed mother-to-be, not unlike another mother that we read about here this morning. Still, Claudette's arrest brought focus to a movement looking for direction. That same week that Claudette refused to give up her seat, in early March 1955, on the other side of the country, St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Isla Vista, California, opened its chapel doors and held its first service. The new mission church was called to serve a, a, a new campus 
of the, uh, the Santa Barbara branch of the University of California, as we know. Because of the GI Bill, education was booming across the country, which transformed undeveloped land like Isla Vista from groves of eucalyptus and oak to boom towns. In that setting, a small band of people were called to take the basic resources they had and make something extraordinary to turn water into wine. As St. Michael's found its way in this new landscape back in Montgomery, young Dr. King and his contemporaries honed their vision. They studied, they planned, they prepared, and in December, a 42-year-old secretary of the NAACP named Rosa Parks refused to leave her seat. You know the rest. Pretty sure you know the rest. Dr. King led the Montgomery bus boycott. Both Rosa Parks and Dr. King became icons of the civil rights movement worldwide. They are household names. Clearly, it was the time for this change. But, just as we see in this gospel passage, timing can be hard to accept. The tension in this passage is all about timing. The wine runs out, but Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. Why do you bother me, Mom? (laughs) We know that Dr. King had to face this question of timing constantly. Constantly. Eight years later, during Holy Week of 1963, with Easter on the horizon, Dr. King sat in a jail cell in Birmingham, Alabama. He was handed a newspaper that featured an open letter from eight prominent white liberal clergymen, men, from Alabama, claiming that the time was not right for King's nonviolent resistance. They called his actions, quote, unwise and untimely. King, from that jail cell, famously responded, for years now I have heard the word Wait, it rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait is almost always meant never. We must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long delayed is justice denied. Justice too long delayed is justice denied. Both Jesus and Dr. King responded to their times, responded to justice before them, responded to the need before them. They responded with a vision others could not see. Visions of abundance, wine from water in huge quantities, and wine that was excellent, amazing wine. Fancy Santa Barbara? Type one. (laughs) The abundance poured over. Likewise, it was Dr. King's vision of abundance that continues to transform history. 
his vision, his dream, his dream for a society with deeper relationship, this, a society he called the beloved community. This beloved community was a global vision in which all people could participate in ending poverty, hunger, racism, militarism, and homelessness. Much akin to what Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven. That beloved community, like the kingdom of heaven, was something that was already but not yet. Something that existed but was not in its completion but something we could strive for, and that was real nonetheless. It was a question of time. Even a few months after his incarceration in Birmingham, Dr. King was more assured of his own timeliness. He wrote an article in the New York Times Magazine entitled, In a Word, Now. In that article, he quoted Victor Hugo, who said, Progress is the mode of humanity. Progress is the mode of humanity. King went on to say, When progress is blocked, just as an obstacle in a river makes water foam, so an obstacle to progress makes humanity seethe. King was aware that the beloved community, part of the beloved community, was conflict. He assumed conflict was an inevitable part of the human condition. And of course, King and his followers were not without struggles. Rosa Parks was so harassed that she moved to Detroit. I don't imagine it was much better up there. Claudette Colvin moved to the Bronx, where she still lives today, that 15-year-old girl. Dr. King faced repeated acts of violence. During the bus boycott in September, on September 30, 1956, King's house was bombed. And later in September of 1958, he was stabbed during a book signing. And, like Jesus before him, Dr. King was eventually killed for the work he was doing, shot on April 4th, 1968, in Memphis. These acts try to change the narrative to convince us of the scarcity, to inspire fear and limit our vision. But we know the abundance, the power of the stream, the reality of resurrection. We know what is possible from a Birmingham jail to the Lincoln Memorial to St. Michael's University Church. We have witnessed it. We have seen the water turn to wine. Amen. Amen.